You're listening to The John Hammer Show, thoughts and discussions from a preacher, disciple of Jesus, author, poet, and pastor. Brought to you by the Sunrise Podcast Network. For more information about Sunrise and or the Sunrise Podcast Network, check out isunrise.org. This podcast is also sponsored in part by Seattle Bible College. For more information about the school, check out seattlebiblecollege.edu. Dear young man, you are in a world of crisis. The world is laying the blame for much of its pain and evil at your feet. You were made for this moment. You were chosen by God to live in this place and in this time that you are in. I invite you to join me on this journey of what it means to be a man, a man as God sees it. From a man trying to help other young men find their way, John Hammer. Thank you for joining me today on the John Hammer Show as I start season number two. I've been doing um, a series of podcasts, and one of my topics has been theology, culture, and leadership. And I am now venturing out in season two to start some episode series that I had already intended to share on top of uh, theology, culture, and leadership, and that is Dear Young Man. So this is the very first episode, not of my podcast, but of Dear Young Man. And I just want to have a little bit of monologue here and just share with you why I'm doing this so you can have context for the coming weeks where I'll have guests, I'll do interviews, talk about different topics. From time to time, I'll just do a monologue and just talk uh, myself about something that's near and dear to my heart on the issue of manhood. So I had this vision to start uh, each episode about focus on young men uh, with a letter that I write to young men from myself on the topic that I'm going to be discussing and then use that as a springboard to talk about uh, whatever issues are something that I believe is near and dear to God's heart, to my heart, something that's happening in the culture that I really believe needs to be addressed. And the wonderful thing about technology and being able to podcast as a pastor is, you know, I can't necessarily do a Dear Young Man series all year in my church because there's just, as a pastor, there's so many things that you need to speak on and teach on from time to time. Uh, things that come up, you need to, you know, keep people grounded in the Bible and in sound doctrine. You got to kind of keep things well-rounded, you know, you get to talk about marriage and family and about singleness and about mission and discipleship and prayer and worship and obedience and how to deal with sin. Of course, we got to keep the gospel front and center of everything that we do because our true hope as Christians is in the message and the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, I've, I really enjoy being able to podcast and I'm going to try to get more consistent for all my listeners. Um, out there, I really appreciate people that share this, like it, comment, um, interact, and just let me know that this is impacting your life in a positive way, helping you to think, grow, challenge you, encourage you, uh, hopefully bring some healing and hope into your life. And so I'm starting off, Dear Young Man, and I just really want to share, why would I start a podcast on young men, Dear Young Man? Well, this is something that's a real passion to me. I've always been really uh, really interested in narratives of fathers and sons and like the, the rite of passage from boyhood to manhood. Um, I've enjoyed reading about uh, manliness. Um, I've, been, I've enjoyed reading about masculinity, about how to see the wounds in a man's heart healed. Um, it's something that I've had to work through, continue to work through just how to be a man in this day and age, a man of God, a man of God as a, uh, as a Christian, a man of God as a husband, a man of God as a father, a man of God, as a friend, as a pastor, and we live in a culture uh, that I that is really, in a lot of ways, I believe, attacking uh, manhood. And so, I 
I believe that if we don't start addressing this in the church, we're going to be in in hot water. I, I think we already are in hot water, actually. I believe there's a sense of urgency with why I'm doing this, and there's a sense of hesitation. Um, the hesitation, I'll share with you the urgency in just a minute, but the, the hesitation comes from, uh, I guess, this is an emotional topic for me, and I feel like I had to overcome internal hurdles to even hit the record button like I have so many ideas and topics and things to talk about but it's from a deep place it's from a vulnerable place and talking to men you know is a where you can we can challenge one another as men we can speak strongly to each other and I think I'll challenge you in this podcast for sure as a man uh, but there's also there's a lot of tenderness underneath um, be am I man enough uh, do I measure up uh, there's a lot of things that men face there's a lot of dishonor that men are dealing with in the culture. There's a lot of there's a message of we don't really want you uh, to be a man. Uh, we've talked about in the culture toxic masculinity. Now there are certain examples of manhood, both quote unquote biblical manhood and cultural examples of manhood that are toxic. And uh, so I get that we don't want toxic examples of masculinity, but I think the lines have been blurred. And when people talk about toxic masculinity, what I hear often is that manhood is, tox- is toxic. Masculinity is toxic. And that's a big problem. Uh, you've got uh, people feeling sorry for even existing and not measuring up. And we're using a lot of shame in the cultural narrative. And in the church, uh, in my little corner of the world, in a Jesus-centered, Bible-believing, charismatic Pentecostal church, I would say a lot of the focus in our churches is on empowerment and equality for women. And, you know, I've got three daughters and a wife, and they're amazing. And I don't want them to be held back from anything that God wants them to do or has called them to be. And so I'm very, it's very important to me to be um, pro-women in a sense and empowering women to be everything that God's called them to be and to do. And so there's kind of a debate within the theological world called complementarianism and egalitarianism in the church. And complementarianism arose as a response to egalitarianism in the culture. So in the, the culture started creeping into the church, uh, the feminist movement, which has some good aspects and I believe some harmful aspects, uh, was influencing the church and saying everybody's equal, everybody's the same, women should have all the same rights and equal access to everything as men. Uh, and some of the message is not just equal rights and access to things, but is also, hey, men and women are basically the same, like at almost everything. And it's hard to distinguish. They don't tend to emphasize the differences between men and women very much, in my opinion, and my limited research. Uh, but so the complementarianism arose to say, well, look at the biblical ways that God has spoken to a man and a woman, to a husband and wife, to a father and mother, and he speaks differently to men and women and gives different instructions to man and woman and so uh men and women are equal in their value but they're complementary in uh, in their roles and so they like to emphasize what they would call biblical roles egalitarians say well there's no such word as roles in the bible and those are just cultural constructs those are just historical examples that's just kind of the context of what the scripture was written in and they weren't as inclusive of women in the times of the old testament in the times of the patriarchs and the prophets and the kings, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and they weren't as inclusive of women in Jesus's day and age. And in Roman, uh, in Greek culture, women were not really able to learn or lead as much. And so, 
you know, Jesus was just working within the cultural context of his day, but the Bible, the egalitarian uh, Christians who would say, well, but the Bible gives us a setup for how one day there will no longer be differences between men and women. We're fully equality. Men and women can lead and fill all the same positions in life, the church the, um, and society, and maybe to some degree the family, uh, I think many would say. And then, uh, you know, like the Bible doesn't teach you know, we don't believe that slavery is a great thing anymore, uh, but the Bible addresses slaves. So we see that as a cultural thing that we progressed out of. So that's kind of part of the debate. And where do I fall in it? Well, I I land somewhere between complementarianism and egalitarianism. I may be a soft complementarian. I do believe that when Paul said that a husband is to love his wife like Christ loved the church, and the wife is to submit to her husband, I believe because it's a picture of Christ in the church. I don't believe that's just because it was a part of the culture. I think because Paul likens us to um, Christ in the church as a husband and wife, that there is, in a sense, a leadership role for men and uh, and a submission role for women. Not submission like a man should dominate a woman. I believe it. I believe that there's mutual submission and equality in our marriages. There's oneness. That's the ultimate goal. From Genesis uh, chapter 1 and 2, we see that when God made Adam and Eve, he made them, uh, he said that it would, they, the purpose was oneness, that the a man would leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two would become one flesh. So I believe there's oneness, and husbands and wives should seek to work alongside each other as a team in a in a spot of oneness but between in that oneness in that equality between a man and a woman i believe that there is unique uniqueness between them so there's a lot of emphasis on women having places of leadership and influence and i believe women can be leaders in the body of christ in just about any position in the church in society i have no problem with that but i do believe that the church is a family of families and I do believe that God has called the husband to be a servant leader, to be a Christ-like leader that lays down his life for the wife, and the wife is to respect her husband, to honor him. And I believe that that's a part of God's design, and that creates a place for human flourishing. So anyway, in the middle of this um, big debate about getting women more involved, I feel like the church is still pushing for uh, women to have more influence and involvement, and we're almost in the church missing the crisis that's happening with men, and this is the urgency. I mean, I tell you a little bit of the hesitancy I've had with talking about this. Part of that hesitancy is, man, people are people don't think men need help. They think that women need help. They think that, you know, and I'd say historically, yeah, and even globally, women are, you know, often the most oppressed group in the sense that they get beaten a lot, they get mistreated, they get overpowered, they get, uh, there's a lot of evil things that have been done to women or continue, continue to be done to women, and so, it's, it's not that we should neglect women's rights, it's, but it's just that in our Western world now, men are actually suffering in a lot of areas much worse than women. And I know in the church world, that's probably a shock because women are just trying to get their voice heard in the church. But like culturally, like we're missing this huge opportunity to disciple and capture the hearts of young men. And, you know, in the American church, women are much more active and maybe even globally, I'm not sure about that, but in the American church, Women tend to be a lot more active and faithful in the churches than men do. And a lot of our churches are and ministries are geared uh, towards women and their children and helping give them a good experience in the church. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but we've, we've got to raise up mighty men. We've got to raise up men that face the wounds, that face the shame, that face the pain and the bondage that they've been in 
to become all that God has called them to be because I believe women and children are going to suffer more when men don't take their rightful place in the family, in the church, and in, in society at large. And so I have a passion for this. I've been doing research on this unofficially for years and years. I love film, movies, uh, cultural moments, news interviews, stories that people tell about fatherhood, about manhood, about masculinity. I have I have an awesome dad. Um, my dad, Dan Hammer, uh, has been an incredible father. And we've had a lot of talks about what it means to be a man and areas that I wanted to get affirmation in and that I wanted help in. And I've been incredibly privileged to walk this journey with a good dad in my life. And I've got other men that have been like my dad's friends or peers that have also been there for me in some really low times and have really been an incredible blessing to me uh, to help me in these areas of woundedness and discouragement and called out identity and destiny in me and have also been a real blessing. So I feel like I've been blessed with with mentors. I hope to get many of them on here. Um, and so my plan for this is to, like I said, do interviews, do monologue, talk about different topics. I'm going to get men on here that um, have been in in military, have do martial arts, have been uh, in law enforcement, or have been pastors, have been mentors, have been spiritual fathers, have just been good dads. I want to talk to other young men. Uh, this podcast is uh, important to me. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to throw my heart into it. And so sometimes I might be tearful. Sometimes I might be a little passionate or intense, uh, but it's because it comes out of a deep place, um, in my heart that I want to share with you. Some of the research that I've been doing is, uh, with a book there's called, it's called the boy crisis. It's written by Warren Farrell, which is very interesting. Warren fail. I mean, sorry, Warren Farrell was a feminist author. In fact, he's one of the only men that's ever been on the board of some of these large feminist organizations. And he wrote on feminism for quite some time to see more equality for women in the workplace and the world. And he started interviewing uh, men and he started interviewing how society and culture was creating a devastating effect on men. And it overwhelmed him, the shame and the discouragement that, uh, that men were dealing with. And so... Uh, he wrote the book with John Gray, who wrote Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. And, you know, he's like an evolutionary psychologist, I would say. Uh, at least that's my uh, definition of his work. I don't know if he claims the evolutionary part, but you can see he's definitely talks about evolution. So I don't agree with all of his conclusions. He believes that some of the changes we're seeing in society are a part of our evolution. And we're progressing towards a state where men will become more of the nurturers and caregivers in some ways for the kids and the women will be the workers. And I actually don't see this as a trend of evolution. I see this as a trend of us straying from God's ways and God's ancient paths that he designed. And I don't have a problem with women working. I think it's great for women to have careers. But I do think that if we take away work from men, we're not going to evolve into some new way that we do life. Uh, but that we're actually going to continue to suffer the consequences until we return to the the ways that God has designed us to flourish in. And so uh, he has a lot of great insights um, in this book as well that are really powerful and congruent with biblical truth. Um, but just a little caveat if you uh, want to read it. And uh, anyway, so as you look into the boy crisis, you see that there's a huge mental health crisis um, of our sons, uh, mass shootings have increased threefold. They've tripled since 2011. 
Um, there's a huge increase in suicide amongst white males. As many white males have lost their lives to suicide now as have been lost to AIDS. Um, black boys between age 10 and 20 are killed by homicide. Are uh, more black boys between age 10 and 20 are killed by homicide than by the next nine leading causes of death combined. Uh, there is a, you know, between uh, 15 and 19 year olds, boys commit suicide at four times the rate of girls. There's a huge mental health crisis that's uh, affecting men. Uh, in the depression, the Great Depression in our nation's history, women, uh, men were committing suicide. 154 men were committing suicide for every 100 women. There's a huge incarceration problem with young men. Uh, young men have huge health crisis. Um, they're much, they're uh, more likely to die in almost every single category from like heart disease, accidents, diabetes, uh, suicide, or intentional self-harm, chronic liver disease and cirrhosis, uh, Parkinson's disease. These are all one and a half to 3.7 times more likely to die of these diseases uh, than girls are. There's a, a mental health. You've probably heard of anorexia or bulimia, which tends to affect women more often. Well, there's something called bigorexia, which is about uh, guys that are working out excessively and using steroids or things like that to try to get the ideal physique to deal with a deep emotional need to heal a wound or uh, what they an insecurity um, in their life. Uh, the economic health is a huge crisis right now. Um, a lot of the jobs that we lost since the 2009 recession were in manufacturing and construction, uh, which are male-dominated career fields. And in contrast, the fastest-growing occupations are personal care and home health aides, which are predominantly staffed by women. So we are seeing um, the... In the last 40 years, the median annual earnings of a boy with a high school diploma has dropped 26%. And there's actually areas in culture now where it says that single women are now buying homes at two and a half times the rate of single men. We look at uh, education uh, for boys um, in the United States by eighth grade. 41% of girls are proficient in writing, while only 20% of boys are. In one generation, young men have gone from 61% of college degree recipients to a projected 39% and young women from 39% to a projected 61%. The number of boys who said they didn't like school has increased by 71% since 1980 and boys are expelled from school three times as often as girls. So there's a huge challenge uh, that's happening in education. It says that um, nationwide girls make up 70% of valedictorians while boys get 70% of D's and F's. And so while in the church and in the culture, we're often, you know, and sometimes rightfully so, championing the rights of girls and women, um, it's actually young men that are being left behind in education. Uh, In the economy, uh, we've got a huge crisis on our hands. Um, There's... There's, you know, and those are just like U.S. statistics, but there's also evidence that things are are global. Um, and so we tend to 
uh, Warren Farrell asks, why are we so blind to the boy crisis? And it talks about how, you know, in the past we asked our boys to fight in wars and to be heroes, that their their lives were uh, disposable, but it was for a greater good. We called them a hero. Um, and, and we no longer really do that. And so uh, there was an article that I just saw and these kind of things are coming out fairly often now, these kind of stories. Um, but there was an article just written last week on firstthings.com by Alexander Riley. He is a university professor at Bucknell University. He said, Young men in institutions like mine are mercilessly stereotyped. They are compelled to unquestionably acquiesce to fundamentally anti-male social justice doctrines that are in the process of becoming the raison d'etre of such institutions. They are told throughout their four years at college that a male who unapologetically embraces his nature commits an eternal offense. Let me read that line again. They are told throughout their four years at college that a male who unapologetically embraces his nature commits an eternal offense. So being a man, being a male, embracing that you're a male, you commit an eternal offense. Unless he agrees to fundamentally change himself to suit the desires of his moral betters. He is to be despised by the righteous and becomes a legitimate target for repression. He said, I've heard people in important positions in my university talk unguardedly. They believe that everyone shares their perspective. With disdain for white male students who are universally assumed to benefit from quote-unquote privilege and harbor racist sentiments. Those students come from all over the country, from different ethnic backgrounds, from different social classes. They adhere to different religious faiths, and they have different political beliefs and make different intellectual and career plans. When they arrive on campus, they are told endlessly that difference in diversity are to be celebrated, recognized, praised in all their forms, except insofar as might apply to them. The increasingly dominant view at woke liberal arts schools is that all white heterosexual males are the same. They are faceless representatives of the supposed top spot in a hierarchical structure that illegitimately dominates others. They are regarded as potential rapists. A group of Bucknell faculty and administrators have for years perpetuated a disputed narrative that women on campus labor under a regime of constant male sexual violence and terror. White heterosexual males are racist simply by virtue of their whiteness. They are homophobes if they do not instantly and effusively agree with every radical claim about sexuality and gender identity made by advocates masquerading as scholars. It says, In my classes over the past few years, I've watched a particular scene play out again and again. During class discussion, the topic of sex different comes up. He says, I teach on it routinely in a number of courses. Some students events unhappiness with my discussion of the biological facts that show that sex differences exist. They invoke the patriarchy to buttress their belief that women are an oppressed class at Bucknell and that men are their oppressors. One of them argues that men dominate public space, including the classroom, talking aggressively and crowding out female voices. I indicate to the speaker that in the entirety of our discussion of this and nearly every other topic in the course, men have largely been largely silent in class and that it is in fact women and almost exclusively feminist women such as the speaker who taught constantly this observation is never substantially challenged because everyone in the classroom knows it to be true but it is always received with frustration by students who have invoked the patriarchy sometimes they lodge reports with my department chair or dean regarding how insensitive and probably misogynist i am to point out the inconvenient facts the men in the class sit quietly and look around the room uncomfortably hoping no one will ask them what they think about the matter. I often hear from them via email or in office hours during which they are careful to ask me to close my door so their candid thoughts will not 
reach the ears of my colleagues in the hall. I wonder, as I talk with these young men, how any loving parent can imagine that this kind of an environment is best for their sons. So there's a boy crisis. God gives us a solution for how to raise young men in the faith. God honors masculinity. He created men in his image. There is nothing toxic about masculinity. The only toxic things would be the perversions or the abuses of masculinity that are imposed upon God's original design because of the sin of mankind. And I champion, this podcast is for men. This is to champion you. This is to encourage you. This is to help you heal. This podcast is for uh, young men. This is for a podcast for teenage boys, for young men in their 20s and 30s. I am going to be 41 years old. I turned 41 in just a few days. And by the time this is released, I'll be 41. I'm not an expert. I'm inviting you on a journey. This isn't, I'm not inviting you on because I have all the answers. I want to find the answers. I want to discover more of what it means to be a man after God's own heart, a man that's honorable, a man that has integrity, a man that's brave and courageous, a man that's sacrificial, a man that loves, a man that's not afraid of confronting emotions, a man that wants to overcome obstacles. This is for you. This is for those of you older men that are over 40, that feel like you never got a fair shake, that you still have unresolved issues from being a young man and you want healing and wholeness and hope in your heart. Maybe you're older and you want to know how to father your teenager. You want to know how to father young men and influence young men. You want to know how to pray for young men and counsel and mentor young men. And I would hopefully give you some tools and helpful conversation pieces to do so. So this is for dads as well and grandfathers. This is for uncles. Uh, this is for women too. This is for women that love young men. This is for women that want to get married, uh, for single young women. This is for moms to hear about what's happening with young men. This is for grandmas. This is for wives to know how to give space to their husband to deal with the trauma and things that he's gone through in his life maybe that, that needs hope and that needs healing. This is for young men that are failing to launch and can't get a full-time job or don't know the direction of their life. This is for men who are white collar and are, uh, you know, successful in their career, but maybe you feel like an imposter sometimes or are still dealing with emotional needs and wants and wondering why success and they got married and they got the car and they got the house and they got a good income and yet they're not satisfied in life. This is to talk to you uh, successful men about uh, what God wants to do to meet the very needs of your heart to satisfy your soul. This is for the blue collar worker and the man that just works hard day in and day out. The man that risks his life uh, in heavy construction. The man that risks his life on these high wires that gives us electricity and power every day. And we don't honor you as someone who sacrifices your life, but yet every single day you're in dangerous situations where you could literally kill, you know, die from the high risk uh, environment that you put yourself in for the sake of others. And so this to me is for uh, men across the board. This is for Christian young men that want to be a man of God. This is for other men that want to hear manhood from the angle of the Christian faith uh, and would be interested in exploring Christianity maybe, or just want to hear what we have to say, what I have to say, and some of my guests about what it means to be a man according to the Bible and according to Christian values. And so I want to thank you for joining me. I'm hoping that you'll send questions to me and that we'll get to interact uh, in the weeks and months and who knows, maybe years ahead. Uh, But I want to just pray for you and I want to thank you for stepping out on this venture. I hope you hear my heart um, behind this podcast and I can't wait to get rolling. I've got some exciting guests lined up and some really compelling, challenging, 
uh, transformational stories of what God does in the hearts of men as they open their heart to him and to one another. So thank you for joining me. God, I pray that you would just bless all those that are listening to this podcast. I pray you'd bless the men and the women, young and old, that are tuning in, that you would allow us to explore manhood from your heart and that this would be a blessing to men, that this would cause the wounds and the damage of generations of sin, of pain, of brokenness to be healed and mended by your truth, that this would be a a place that would be fun, that would be empowering, that would be uh, that'd be emotional, that would touch those deep places in the hearts of men that need to be healed, uh, that m- men would be encouraged, that they would take steps of bravery and courage to to challenge those areas that they've been um, repressed in or those areas where they haven't had success yet, but that they would just so deeply uh, be encouraged that they would start to take steps to be successful in their career, in their relationships, in their education, in the path that you have for them. I pray that you would make men strong, that you would make men that would be molded to be more like Jesus, and that you would be honored by this series. Lord God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you once again for tuning in to The John Hammer Show, Dear Young Man, Episode 1. All right. Thanks for joining The John Hammer Show. Please give us a thumbs up, like, and subscribe if you're enjoying the content here. And the best way to support this podcast is leaving us a great review. Thanks.